Well, the US Supreme Court has overturned the monumental Roe v. Wade case that legalised abortion across America. And if you listen to the media over the weekend, you would think a nuclear bomb had been dropped in their backyard. Here's a celebration, it was, as it was announced outside the Supreme Court, uh, that unborn children would regain the right to life. Yeah, you can see them milling around outside the courthouse waiting for the decision, all these pro-lifers, and then the decision comes through. So the US Supreme Court has overturned Roe v. Wade, uh, the case that legalized abortion across America. And contrary to the way the media have tried to portray it, abortion will not be suddenly banned. It'll go back to the elected representatives of each, in each individual state, and they'll decide whether or not to allow preborn babies to be killed. So California and New York, other Democrat states, will become dangerous ground for the unborn child and the pregnant woman as well. While Republican-led areas like Texas and Florida will respect all human rights and protect the most vulnerable, the unborn child. Uh, and as you can see, that footage outside the Supreme Court, uh, they had an amazing celebration. Uh, celebration. The unborn children were shouting the loudest. Well, the mainstream media, you could hear the sobbing and wailing in the background of most news bulletins over the weekend. The Herald said, people will die. Uh, yeah, that's what's been happening. Unborn children have been killed in the womb by literally the millions. Can't they, the Herald editors, even see the stupidity of their statement? And apparently, according to our Prime Minister, nothing is more incredibly upsetting than losing the automatic right to kill your unborn child any time up to birth. Ironically, only people who have been born can think this way. But here's the typical coverage from the legacy media in New Zealand. This is News Hub, classic example. Everyone condemns it, apparently. Arden's response, then there's Foreign Affairs Minister Naya Mahuta, not sure what it's got to do with foreign affairs. Then Clark Gayford, Jacinda's partner. Not a female, but we like op opinions from men when they agree with the narrative. And of course, the media rushed to Chloe Shawbrick, the favourite who uses safe healthcare and abortion in the same paragraph. Duh. And then abortion-loving Joe Biden and Barack Obama, Michelle Obama, and then medical expert uh, Taylor Swift and Seth MacFarlane from Family Guy. Never heard of him, but being from Family Guy, well, that's kind of ironic. And then... Uh, yeah, so so that's the typical uh, coverage. But just back to um, the, the the Trump issue. Whatever your views of the personality of uh, Donald Trump, whatever your views of the politics of Biden versus Trump, whether you consider yourself left wing or right wing or a centre voter, there is no doubt Donald Trump has been a champion for the unborn child because when he defeated Hillary Clinton, that enabled. Roe v. Wade to be defeated, whereas Biden is a champion for the right to kill the unborn child. Even the media had to admit Donald Trump's role in all of this. The reason is all too clear. Donald Trump's deliberate move to install pro-life conservative justices meant the writing for abortion was always on the wall. 
as his successor emphasized today. It was three justices named by one president, Donald Trump, who are the core of today's decision to upend the scales of justice and eliminate a fundamental right for women in this country. Well, that's the way democracy works in the United States. If Clinton had won, she would have put in three justices who would have voted for abortion. That's the way it falls. But I know who the unborn child would have voted for. That's the inconvenient truth. Now, rather than listen to uh, politicians and Hollywood stars, let's listen to the commentary from a medical professional. And I think we all know Dr. Ben Carson, paediatrician. Believe it or not, he was actually a guest appearance. He made a guest appearance at our forum on the family in 2014. And immediately after the Roe v. Wade decision, he spoke to Tony Perkins from the Family Research Council in the US. And have a listen to his response. It's a momentous occasion. There's no question about that. You know, I caution people not to become too celebratory. This is just the beginning. Because what the court has actually done is reestablish things the way that they're supposed to be. Uh, these major uh, life and death decisions, uh, tumultuous uh, social issues are supposed to be in the hands of the people and their representatives, and not in the hands of unelected uh, judges. And they basically have returned us to the system the way it's supposed to work. Yeah, and then he was asked, did technology play a part in both the response of the court and also changing attitudes to abortion? And remember, Dr. Carson has performed abortions, uh, operations, sorry, he's performed operations, sleight of tongue there, he's performed operations on unborn children, giving them life. About it, you know, we used to uh, think it was mysterious what was going on in that womb, and then all of a sudden, nine months later, out pops a baby. But uh, in fact, now it's not that mysterious. Uh, we know that the female and the male gametes, both of which have 23 uh, chromosomes, fuse, and that's when conception occurs. All of a sudden, you have 46, a complete set of chromosomes with all the information that is necessary for that individual to be their own person. They're not part of the mother. They're not part of the father. They're their own person. And they have all the information that will ever be necessary for them to be a complete uh, developed adult. And then that, that turns into a zygote and that divides very quickly and the parts begin to develop. You know, within six to eight weeks, our technology shows us that there is an individual in there with a head, with a face, eye sockets, a nose, lips, fingers and toes, a heart that is beating, and uh, shortly after that, it begins to respond to environmental stimulus. You know, it is really difficult to say that that is not a living human well, being. Let me ask you about that, Dr. Carson, because you've actually performed surgery uh, on children in utero. I mean, it, you, yes. you've, you've been able to, to do that. Has technology, well, let me start with this. I've never asked you this question before, so I'm supposed to know the answers before I ask, so it's a little dangerous <laughs> to ask this question, but at what point were, were, did you realize you were pro-life? I, I realized that uh, relatively late in my life, uh, I was pro-choice. Uh, now, I myself didn't believe in abortion. I thought it was terrible, but I said, what right do I have to impose my beliefs on someone else? And that's why I said 
it's your choice. But one day in thinking about slavery and how slave owners thought that they could do anything because they felt they owned these people and they could kill them, rape them, murder them, whatever they wanted to do. And I said, how rotten that is. And I said, what if the abolitionists had said, well, I don't believe in slavery. I think it's a horrible thing, but you know, you do what you want to do. <laughs> Where would we be? And uh, th there, there is there is a responsibility that we have for others. Yeah, very good point. Uh, and just finally, Ben Carson, Dr. Carson was asked, where to from here? Not enough to just say, uh, we won, we, we, we got this thing reversed. Uh, we have to think about those mothers who find themselves in many cases in very difficult situations, right. which is why they would even be considering an abortion in the first place. And if in fact, uh, we're going to uh, preclude them uh, or make it more difficult for them, what we should be thinking about is how do we make their lives and their decision more uh, palatable by providing real options for them. Right. Uh, you know, adoption being one of them is very hard to adopt. A, we need a baby adoption in this reform because it, it's expensive. The the hurdles are immense. It's yeah. it's a, it's a difficult process. And that would uh, provide a wonderful avenue. And then in many cases, they, they don't want to give their baby up, but they need some support, and we need to be able to get them on their feet so that they can teach themselves to be self-sufficient and certainly teach their children to be self-sufficient. Yep, and uh, well said, Dr. Carson. As you can see, that's why we've got it in the byline. We want a world where every child is uh, welcomed and every parent supported. Look, there's a lot of pro-life people in the U.S. that can take a bow for hanging in there and getting this result. But I saw an excerpt from a tribute to Nellie Gray, the remarkable woman who started the March for Life in 1974. She marched for more than 35 years and she passed away in 2012. And her life's work came to fruition uh, when the Supreme Court handed down this decision over the weekend. The life of the pre-war. When we put this together, we thought there was going to be one march. Then we realized Congress wasn't going to help. And we better have a second march. And what I am saying to you is, we will be here until we overturn Roe versus Wade. And believe me, we are going to overturn Roe versus Wade. Yeah, and incredibly, uh, her, the date of the Supreme Court decision was the same date as her birth date. Let me close with this quote from a colleague of mine based in Florida, which I think sums it up perfectly. And he said, this would not be the end of the pro-life movement, but simply the beginning. We need to show that we can create a world where we can love children and not kill them, that we can create a world where adoption is always the better option that we can create a world where we care for both women and their children. This is our opportunity to now make the grisly practice of abortion, like slavery, unthinkable in a civilized, modern society.